it's the moment we've all been waiting for. <laughs> the return of Crystal and Kat. Yay! Even though we Actually, haven't been anywhere. I know. We haven't been anywhere. <laughs> like, we've been on a hiatus. No, we have not. Um, Hi. Hello. How are you? Listeners, how are you? We're good. All good. So I hate asking those questions when we're not going to get a response. Because yes, we I are. Just, Oh, yeah. We don't hear it. They might be saying it to themselves right now, but we don't hear it. And so it's for me, it's pointless. But hey, how you doing? I hope you're doing great. Anywho, um, today's episode is mine. Yeah, and it's a long-awaited episode. It is a long-awaited episode. I would like to do one and only one trigger warning for this episode. And the fact that Kat is initiating it <laughs> means it's bad. Yes, because usually I'm like, really? We need a trigger warning for They're fine. This? Yeah, they're fine. Um, this you might need a trigger warning, especially if, um, especially if something like decapitation doesn't sit well with you. So, I mean, I, I did a decapitation episode. You did. This one's a little tiny ago. bit more involved. Not really. I think just the whole background of it. I don't know. We'll let you guys decide. Maybe you'll you'll be like, this didn't need a trigger warning. So who knows? Who knows? Okay. So basically, this is going to be a little uh, gruesome with the details. Gruesome with the details, but I do speed right past them. I'm not going to dwell on them too much, but you will hear about them. We're not feasting like our perpetrator does. No, this isn't like your your Russian cannibals <laughs> that like I still think about how dirty that refrigerator was. With the chicken? Yes, like that is that haunts me. That disturbs me. All these other cases we've covered where I where like you're crying or like, you know, the details are really Stop bad. I'm like, that was last week and it's still fresh. I'm like, yeah, I felt nothing. Seeing that chicken in the dirty ass refrigerator kind of got to me. So. Not even seeing like I didn't share I, these on social media, but if anybody remembers that episode, Giselle. Not Giselle. Oh, not Giselle. <laughs> Shit, fuck me. Cat uh, uh, saw... Let it slip. Cat <laughs> saw the actual photos that I said I wasn't going to post. And <laughs> so it wasn't It wasn't the, the body parts that got you. It was the raw chicken. In the dirty refrigerator. Let's clarify how dirty everything was. Yeah, and, that... was and I did share those pictures. Yeah, that really... That disturbed me. Decapitation, people dying, not so much. But a dirty kitchen and you're storing chicken in there? How dare you? Man, don't come to my house. <laughs> All right. So one trigger warning. That's it. Here we go. Okay. I'm going to tell you the case of Odessa Carey. Now we're going to, you know, my favorite thing, my favorite cases always happen in England. I don't know why. <laughs> England's a pretty brutal place. There are some like parts of England where some some things go down. And so this So basically um, what we're saying is that if anybody has some pull over there and you can yeah, book a venue for us. Yeah, let we'll come over there cuz we're pretty big in England. <laughs> Cat will lose her mind. So oh my God. 
If anybody can make that happen. Oh, the accents too. Okay. Anyways, so Odessa Carey. Odessa Carey was 73 years old and she lived in Ashington, which is a town and civil parish in Northam, Berlin, England. And she lived there most of her life. Uh, this place, it's like 15 miles north of Newcastle. So I was kind of like, w- when they're talking about places in England, sometimes I'm like a town and civil parish. Like, but I'm not like you. I'm not going to go look up all the rules and like how that works because I'm really not that interested. <laughs> Anyways, I, I, felt, I felt like you would be impressed that I knew it was 15 miles away from Newcastle. That's something that I actually had to look up extra information for. I'm so you're welcome. proud of you. Thank you. Uh, The population is about around 28,000 people. um, And she lived there, like I said, most of her life. She raised her family there. And honestly, from what everyone said about Odessa, she was a really wonderful woman. She was a very beloved mother and grandmother. Um, She was a part of a really tight-knit family. I'm not exactly sure how many children she had, but um, because in this case, usually I have a lot of background information on the people, you know, their lives, how they grew up. There is not a lot of background information about Odessa Carey, um, but she does have older children. She was 73 years old. Um, she lived with one of her children, and I know of at least two more children that she had that were adults, obviously, because she's 73. Anyways, um, she suffered from arthritis and she actually, it was getting so bad at her age that she needed a mobility scooter to kind of get around. Like she would take one, you know, out of her house and around the small town if she needed to. It's not like this lady was up and spry and walking around. But she was described as a lovely woman, bright and welcoming, always laughing and joking and just always happy. On April 8th, 2019, police get a phone call. The police in Northumberland, England, get a police call from a Sharon O'Brien. Now, Sharon is Odessa's youngest daughter's ex-girlfriend. And Sharon called the police and just said that she had gotten some information and that she really needed them to do a welfare check on Odessa. Um, and she was adamant. She's like, I know something, I, someone told me something very disturbing. Please go and check and make sure Odessa is okay. Um, so police went to the home and when they knocked on the door, there was no answer. Um, knowing that Odessa was elderly and immobile, um, they decided we're going to kind of force our way in because they knew she was home. They kept knocking. She wasn't coming to the door. So they wanted to make sure she wasn't in, you know, any distress. Mm -hmm. Um, So they got inside and they immediately went upstairs uh, to the bedroom. And right away, when they got up to the top of the stairs, looking at the bedroom door, they noticed that the wall next to the bedroom door was just covered in blood. And like one officer said, it just looked like somebody splattered blood just all over that wall. Um, So obviously they knew something was wrong. 
they walked into the bedroom and as the wa- they walk in, the first thing they notice is that the mirror and the dresser in the room were basically all smashed to bits and everything was covered in blood. The bed was in the middle of the room. There was a quilt on top of the bed. Um, they could tell that something was under the quilt. When an officer went and pulled back the quilt, they found a body without a head lying in the middle of the bed on its back. Okay. They also noticed that the stomach of this body was cut open. And the way the police described it is the stomach was cut wide open. You could see that the intestines and organs were still inside, but it was as if someone had stuck their hands in there and were moving things around. I don't like that. Yeah. So um, in the master bathroom that was just right off of that bedroom, they found various knives on the floor and the sink, uh, the sink basin appeared to be like smashed in one spot. And again, everything had blood. Everything was covered in blood. In the bathtub, they found a large pair of scissors, some more kitchen knives, a mallet, and then a washing bowl with what appeared to be blood, like three-fourths of it held blood, and then just a brain right in the washing bowl. Just hanging out in all the blood. hanging out in all the blood and in the tub. Um, that's a lot. Like, I'm trying to imagine the sheer volume of blood here. Yeah, it, it was a it was a lot of blood. And also, we have a body. We have a brain. They can't find the head. Oh, you know, I was so distracted by the amount of blood. I, I did not even realize. Yeah, there is no head anywhere to be found. OK, now, obviously, by the body and the rest of the stuff, they know the body is an elderly woman's body, and they're pretty sure that this body belongs to Odessa Carey, obviously. Right. Um, after talking more with Sharon O'Brien, after seeing what they discovered, police were able to identify their main suspect that they were going to look for right away, and it was actually Sharon O'Brien's former partner, Odessa Carey. Are you confused? So Sharon O'Brien is this elderly woman's daughter's partner or ex-partner. Uh-huh. Is the elderly woman's daughter Odessa. Yep. Her name is Odessa Carey as well. Okay. Yes. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Odessa Carey number two. And I, yeah, I was going to say, because we got to keep them straight somehow. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to keep it straight by um, after I talk to you a little bit about Odessa, uh, Sharon actually called Odessa Dessa. So I'll refer to our the daughter Odessa as Dessa. And then I'll refer to mom, who's the deceased, as senior Odessa Carey. Okay. So we're not confused. Because I was going to say, are you calling her Odessa number two because she's shit? But 
that would that would be possible. Yes. I I didn't think about that, but okay. <laughs> so Odessa Tammy Carey was 36 years old, and she was described by her former partner as a lovely, caring lass. I love how they use the word lass over there. I thought that was more of an Irish thing, though. But anyways, maybe Sharon, well, Sharon O'Brien probably is Irish. Duh, O'Brien. Anyways. God, I'm stupid. Oh, my gosh. I can't even believe I (laughs) just put that that together. Uh, Sharon said that there really wasn't a bad bone in her body. Um, uh, Yeah. (laughs) I think Sharon has hindsight 2020. Rose-colored glasses, obviously. Um, However, the family, Odessa's, both Odessa's, both Odessa's, uh, family later admitted that she, Dessa, the daughter had been mentally unwell since the age of like six or seven. She had a long history of a battle with mental illness, long, long, long. And this girl could never stay on her meds consistently, which just made the situation worse. Like she would take meds, then she would stop. She would take meds, then she would stop, or they would try to figure out better meds, then she would stop. So it was it like, and this is from the age of six or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, she had an extensive history of violence and aggression towards her mother, former partners, and others in her life. So I'm really not sure where Sharon is coming from when she says um, she doesn't have a bad bone in her body and that she's just a loving, caring lass. Obviously, Sharon really loves Dessa and sees, you know, I don't know. A different side of her. Um, right. By the time of this incident, she was described as acutely psychotic. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. That is a descriptor. Yes. Later, the family also said that they always feared that Odessa, Tammy, I'm going to, that, because that's the daughter, Odessa, Tammy, um, might harm the mother, Odessa Sr. Like they were always worried about it, but nothing was ever really done. And you're going to find out why. I think um, Odessa Sr., like she obviously had a big heart and like would always, even when Dessa would do things to her, would just always forgive her and, you know, just you know, as a mom, she's just like, well, she's mentally ill, right? There, I need to help her. I yeah. can't, I can't like just discard her or write her off. Right. They actually recalled that when Dessa was younger, she would um, cut herself a lot and um, she would do it on her legs where she would cut right down to the bone. What? Of her legs. Yeah. There was one incident where she tried to smash her way through a wall in her house to get to her neighbors because she believed they wanted to kill her family. Did she she ever get professional help? Yes, they tried. You'll hear about that too. Now, weeks before she killed her mother... Dessa actually killed her cat by snapping its neck and then tried to flush it down the toilet. Uh, yeah. How no one was like, uh, could we, can, 
maybe a hospital do like, yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, so I was doing a little, um, what I do best, which is, uh, stalk people on Facebook and Dessa had a Facebook, um, which obviously her postings stop in 2019. Um, and, it was interesting to me because, well, one, it's just a very odd Facebook, but she has a lot, a lot of posts about guinea pigs. <laughs> I was not expecting I know. that. There's a lot of guinea pigs and she also enjoyed... um photography but it's mostly of candy wrappers so i i i don't i don't know where to go from there i don't uh, understand <laughs> i don't understand either for me that's enough to receive mental um health assistance uh, i mean we've all got things we're we've all got things in. we're yeah hers was guinea pigs and candy wrappers so um, you just take that and you just put that nugget in your brain. Okay. Um, uh, so on April 8th, after finding, after the police finding her mother's torso, they were quickly able to track down her daughter, Dessa. Um, they found her hiding in a friend's apartment nearby. She was wearing a pink onesie. Okay. And when they got there... They actually found her in the attic. She was hiding please, in the crawl space of the attic. Please tell me that her friend knew she was there. I believe the friend knew she was there. Okay. That makes I me feel better. Yeah. She, like, And when I say attic, this wasn't a finished attic. This was like a crawl space attic where there's still insulation all over the place. That's why I'm wondering if the friend knew. I I mean, I don't know. What I was thrilled to find was there's actually pictures. Oh, okay. <laughs> of Dessa in uh, frankly a catatonic state. Like it's like it's a scene from a movie basically. She is just like in this pink onesie staring off into space like on her knees with her hands in between her legs and she's just sitting there. Okay. So uh, we'll have that picture on our Instagram post, but I mean, it's, it's scary. Anyways, um, they also found her mother's head, which Dessa had hidden in the same friend's house in a cupboard under the sink in the bathroom and it was wrapped up in a pillowcase and a plastic bag. I'm going to have to say that we're not friends anymore. You <laughs> yeah. hide body parts in my house. I mean, come stay here when you're in a bind. Great. But if we're bringing mom's head over, can we maybe not be friends anymore? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll help you bury a body. I'm, I'm a good friend, but if I'm going to be assisting with this stuff, I want to know I'm doing it. Yeah. Like that's where I keep my pawns cold cream. Okay. Like let's not, I, I don't want a head in there. 
Um, so they were finally able to get her down from the attic. And as soon as they did, they arrested her. There is actually video of her arrest and she looks very much shell shocked. Like the police are talking to her. They're like, we're going to get these handcuffs on. She's really not saying much. And they're like, we're arresting you on the suspicion of murder. And suddenly she's kind of like, what? what do you mean? And it's almost like she snaps out of this catatonic state and she seems almost like normal. And she's just some person that has just been accused of murder. And like, she, she just doesn't grasp the gravity of the situation. She's like, what, what are you guys talking about? Like, it's very odd when you watch the video. It is just it's very odd to kind of see her slip in and out of these different states of like catatonic to like bewilderment to just like it's a normal Tuesday night. Right. So it's very interesting. Anyways, um, police were able to piece together that earlier that day. Um, Dessa had actually gone and visited a friend, John Murray, um, at his property in Ashington. Um, and as Murray explained it, he said she came over, she was wearing a pink onesie, two odd socks and trainers, which is sneakers. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that there was blood all over her hands and arms, but he couldn't really tell where it was coming from. He like, basically he was trying to figure out like what wound she had to have so much blood all over her hands and arms. Oh, and but it's not she, coming from anywhere. Exactly. And she just kept wiping it off with some, she had some baby wipes because she also had like two bags with her. And so she was kind of just like, she goes over to, goes over to his house and they're just talking and she's just kind of like wiping this blood off with some baby wipes. And he then quote says, you know, she's just chilling. Like nothing seems off about her except this blood all over her. I'd say that's enough to say something's off. uh, Yeah. And after a while, she reached into one of the bags she had. It was a, one of them was a plastic bag and one of them was a blue bag. And she pulled out something wrapped up in a towel and a pillowcase. And when she unwrapped it, he definitely recognized it as a human head. Mm-hmm. And then he said, and I quote, she kissed it on the forehead, then put it back in the bag very carefully inside the towel and the pillowcase. Uh. And mind you, John's still sitting there watching her do this. I mean, I'm hearing about it and I'm just kind of sitting here because I I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. According to John, he didn't know what to do. Uh, I I uh, don't know what to do. I'm sorry, John, you Someone pulls out a human head. First of all, she's wiping blood off of her arms and legs, pulls out a human head, which, by the way, he did recognize as an elderly woman's head and kisses it on the forehead, puts it back. And you're just. okay. so if it was was just. If it was just the fact that she had the head, I would probably know what to do. I mean, obviously, in that situation, you're like, okay, so maybe we have a discussion that we need to have here. But but when oh. w- when it escalates to kissing it on the forehead and then packing it back up, that's about when I go, did I just 
see that? <laughs> well, can you take that out one more day? <laughs> can you do can that I, again? Can I can I see what you got in there? Are we well, good? And now I'll give it to John. He's still kind of processing what he just saw, right? And everybody processes differently. Uh-huh. And John says, you know, at that moment, I didn't have my cell phone on me and Dessa didn't have her cell phone either. So I didn't, I wasn't really sure what to do. And she just kept having casual conversations with me. So we just sat there for another hour and kept talking. Uh, excuse me, John, what? You need a fucking hour to process that? Like, what? I'm sorry, but that's a lot to process. It is, but I would be like, okay, Dessa, that's a great story about the weather. Can I see the contents of your bag just one more time? Okay, but you have this person who, like, deadpan, unpacks a head, gives it a smooch, and then packs it back up. I'm probably going to be a little concerned about like my well-being, so I'm going to be like, let's let's shoot the shit for a while until I can get you out of my house. I guess. Well, and I guess that's his thinking because he then recalls that she just suddenly gets up and leaves. And so when she does that, again, John, probably a slow processor, decides, I'm going to go down to the pub and run this info by people there. Like, probably while also getting a couple of drinks like hey guys yeah. I I need this right now exactly so he goes down and he tells another person about what happened which I'm sure was an interesting conversation in itself I could just see John like going up to the bar and then the person next to him and him going hey you know what just happened to me uh and then that person just kind of like deadpan slowly looking at him going what the fuck like but he said he told another person about what happened and they didn't believe him. So I John's like, either. so John's like, so I started to doubt that I even saw that happen. I mean, <laughs> at this point, I'm I'm starting to question John a little bit, but I am too. But he finally does the semi right thing and he decides, you know what, I'm going to call Sharon because he he also knew Sharon Um and I'm just going to call her and kind of just tell her what, what just happened and what I saw. And so that's when he does call Sharon. And that's when Sharon hangs up with him and calls the police. Now, prior to that, and there is video of this, you can find it all over the Internet. Prior to that, they have a ton of video street surveillance that captures Dessa just walking down the street casually with her two bags from uh, her house in Newcastle as if nothing happened. Like literally she, at one point she's walking by a uh, kind of like a gated area and she either has a key or like a pen or something in her hand. And she's like walking down, you know how like you run the pen like on the chain link fence or like a stick? Oh yeah. Yeah. She's just like, it's almost like she, and she has the plastic bag in one hand and this blue kind of like duffel bag over her shoulder. And the mom is in the plastic bag, the mom's head. And she's just like, she's like, like, it's a great day. I got my mom with me. I got my blue bag. I got my pink onesie and my trainers. Like she is just, like, 
as if nothing happened. Okay. So she actually visited a lot of friends with her mother's head in tow, and they had no idea. She even, after she visited John, when she left, she went and and had a little visit with her uncle. And the uncle, fortunately, she didn't take the head out at her uncle's house, probably because he would have recognized it. Um, But she was just like making the rounds with mom in a bag. Um, Now, as soon as she was arrested, Dessa was held in the HMP Low Denton in Durham. Um, As police began to investigate, they were able to piece together the tragic events that unfolded over the past few days through interviews with Sharon and John and other friends and family. So according to Carrie's partner, um, which, by the way, Sharon O'Brien, she is 50 years old, so she was quite a bit older than um, Dessa. They had been in a relationship for 15 years, so she knew her really, really well. But also, um, wasn't Dessa like in her early 30s? Yes. So she had known her since she was a little girl. Sharon knew Dessa since she was I a little girl. I don't like that. Yeah, I didn't like it either. I didn't find much more information about it, but I didn't like that either. Um, she said that she had known her since she was a child growing up in Ashington, since Dessa was a child, and they actually became a couple in 2006. Okay. Sharon was a single mom at the time, and um, she had no idea, she says, that Carrie had any mental health issues. So she said she didn't notice them in her as a child. I don't believe that. Yeah. Um, and that when they finally became a couple, Dessa helped raise her child, who was nine years old at the time when they became a couple. Um, she said it was it wasn't only until years into the relationship that Sharon began to notice a change in Dessa's mental state. Um, now, Carrie at one point was eventually eventually put under the care of Green Acres Center. It's uh, run by the Cumbria Northumberland Tyne and Ware NHS Foundation and Trust. So basically, like it's a, just a mental health uh, center to help with various mental health uh, issues. And they can provide therapy, medication, um, hospitalizations, all of that. Um, And even though she was put under their care, Sharon says, and and Dessa's family also agrees, that she never really got the correct help that she needed. And that as time went on, Carrie's behaviors or Dessa's behaviors became more and more unmanageable. And it was almost like... I feel like they just didn't know what to do about it anymore. Like, I mean, it doesn't help that her longtime partner is saying nothing's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Her behaviors just became more unmanageable. And at the time, they were so unmanageable. Now, remember, Dessa went to go live with Sharon when Sharon's child was nine years old. By the time that child was 18, he had to go live with his dad because of Dessa's mental health issues. Like, so that to me 
when Sharon says all this stuff, like she doesn't have a bad bone in her body, the fact that she had to have her son go live with somebody else. I mean, granted he was 18 at the time. I'm sure it was his decision. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of shows me that she kind of still is aware of how bad this is. Yeah. At least on some level. Yeah. Um, she said that Dessa would be fine for a while and that you would never know that she was suffering from any kind of mental health issues, but then she would go into like a state and those states were just continuously getting worse every time she would slip in to one. Uh, so in 2017, she was briefly hospitalized in Sunderland after holding Sharon and her mom hostage in Odessa Sr.'s home. So in 2017, the police were called because apparently um, Dessa was holding her mom and Sharon hostage in the house. There's not a lot of information about that incident. I just know it was she was hospitalized after that. Then in 2018, police were called after... um, Dessa assaulted her mom with a bath board. Now, at first, I didn't know what a bath board was, and I looked it up, and it's just one of those boards that sits across the bath, you know, that people put their toiletries on it. Yeah, or stuff like that. Um, Despite that, despite this incident and the incident in 2017, um, mom Odessa still let Dessa move in with her. In late 2018, after she was kicked out of a hostel she had been living in, in Blythe. So even though there's like two really big, you know, incidents where she shows violence and just, you know, awful behavior, her mom still let her move back in with her in late 2018. Right. Uh, Sharon said that sometimes Dessa would sit in the middle of the kitchen floor and be hysterically laughing and screaming all at the same time. So weird. Um, She would tell Sharon that she was talking to the voices inside her head when she was in a condition like that. And we still don't think anything's wrong here. Exactly. Exactly. Now, like I said before, weeks before the murder, remember I told you Dessa killed her cat by breaking its neck and trying to flush it down the toilet? Yes. Even then, even knowing her mental health history and her emotional state at the time, Sharon claims she never imagined that Dessa would do what she did next. So when she heard from John, when John Murray called her and said, hey, just a heads up. Oh, that. It's a bad pun, and I didn't even mean it. Um, <laughs> I didn't even catch that. You did it. I was like, and in my head, I'm like, good oh. one. Um, she, uh, like, when he told her, you know, she took, she has a head. She took it out. Um, Sharon said she immediately, right after that, called the police. And then when she got confirmation of what the police discovered, Sharon said that she just got violently ill and she vomited and she collapsed and she was just in total shock. Um, After Dessa's arrest, Sharon went to visit her while she was being held at the HMP. And Sharon says that uh, Dessa didn't believe it was really Sharon who came to visit her. She believed that Sharon was a clone and that the real Sharon had been killed. So she refused to even talk to her 
like Sharon's like, no, it's me. You're here. You killed your mom. And Dessa was like, no, you're not Sharon. You're, you're Sharon's clone. They killed you. Like, okay. just, just crazy shit. So, um, Sharon made contact with one of Carrie's friends because she too was just trying to piece together this like downward spiral that happened in just a matter of days. And one of Dessa's friends showed her some 18 plus texts that she had had with Dessa prior to the murder. And then all of them were talking about how she, Dessa, believed that her entire family had been killed and they were actually clones. Um, so Sharon said after she heard that information, you know, like she just, that's when she truly believed that there's n- no helping Dessa now. She's like, this is, it was like this thing. She she said like prior to that, she, she knew that Dessa had committed the murder, but she still kind of didn't believe it. And it was only until she kind of saw that that she was like, oh, she obviously killed her mom. But then what Sharon started to do was um, she believed that that her mother, she said, Dessa truly believed her mother was a clone and she would have not done this had she had the proper help. So I think this is where Sharon's like, oh, she is nuts, but it's still not her fault because she didn't have the proper help. Which to me is really odd. Um, yeah, it's it's almost like a cop out that she yeah. now that that she can use this as an excuse to defer blame, now it's okay. Yeah, yeah, she's sick now. Yeah, exactly. In the hearing, there was a hearing before trial, and doctors said that uh Dessa, you know, was <laughs> I love this part, that uh Dessa is likely to have paranoid schizophrenia. You Who think said this? the the doctors like in the hearing, they're like we're pretty sure she has para- she's par- she's a paranoid schizophrenic. Okay. Um. Oh, really? Like that's not news. And but then they added that hers was so far gone that they think she is going to be resistant to treatment for the rest of her life. Like there is nothing that's going to help this woman is basically what they said. And they labeled her as acutely unwell. Um, And as a matter of fact, everyone who talked to Dessa after she was arrested says they cannot convince her that her mother is dead. Really? Yeah. They're like, no, you, you killed your mom. No, I didn't. My, I just talked to my mom. My mom's still alive. You killed your mom. Nope. mm -mm, I didn't. That's so horrible. Isn't that awful? Kind of horrible. But at the same time, I mean, for the, the state that the body was in and the fact that she took out the brain and she cut off her head and all and cut open her body, like, I'm kind of glad she doesn't remember any of that. I mean, I'm glad she doesn't remember it. But at the same time, like, that is such a high level of delusion. Yeah. No, just such a high level. High. So um, at the trial, the trial happened at in Newcastle Crown Court. She was obviously found 
um, unwell to stand trial. So instead of an actual trial, they have what they call a trial of facts. So they still have to like lay out all the facts before they sentence her. She's, they obviously know she did it. Um, but she, she can't go through the trial, right? Because she's just mentally not fit. So it was determined, um, in this trial of facts that Odessa killed her, likely killed her mother on April 6th, and she was most likely in a delusional state when it happened. A forensic scientist told jurors that it was likely that Odessa, um, that she hit her mom with a mallet first and that her mom tried to protect herself because there were obvious defensive marks on both arms. Okay. And a forensic scientist said there was at least eight blows to her head and face with the mallet, causing multiple facial and skull fractures, bleeding around the brain, and immense damage to the brain itself. This did not kill her instantly, mm. but that the bleeding out eventually called her caused her death minutes later. Um, they said that it was during her bleeding out that is when um, Dessa cut open the torso. Mm -hmm. So she was kind of still alive. I'm pretty sure still not feeling anything. I'm, I'm sure her body like blacked out, but she was still, she was essentially dying as she cut open her mom's torso. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, then she beheaded her after she died. Um, she cut her open using just a kitchen knife and scissors and also decapitated her with a kitchen knife and scissors. And then she took her head to the bathroom where she removed the brain. And then she went back to the torso, uh, after the head was removed. And that's when she, um, dug around. Uh, after she was wrapped up, her mother, afterwards, she wrapped her mother's head in a pillow and a pillowcase, placed it in a bag, and basically just went about her business, um, including going back to uh, her place, running some errands, visiting friends and family. She even, they were looking at her card, bank card statements. She even stopped by a couple of pubs, had some drinks, had some dinner, um, and basically taking her head everywhere with her in the days after the murder before she was caught. Mm -hmm. So obviously the jury had enough information there to find her responsible for the murder. And in a full formal ruling, the judge said her illness is longstanding and has proven treatment resistant. She has no insight about the nature of her illness. She doesn't believe she is mentally unwell. Um, Sharon, who was at the trial of facts, said that when she was there and she saw Dessa in the courtroom, she said that Dessa's eyes were just black, like something possessed her. And so Sharon's like, I truly believe like a demon has taken over her body. Man. After the trial, the family obviously blamed mental health services. Um, they said that she had been suffering mental health problems for years and never got the help that she needed. And that, uh, that Odessa senior tried really, really hard to get her daughter the help and that it, it was just sad that it came to this in a formal statement. They said that their mother had been, and I quote, taken from us in a horrific 
in a horrific and vicious attack by our younger sister who had suffered mental health issues for years. We believe that the mental health system failed us and vast improvements need to be made. Um, it's too late for our mom and sister, but hopefully they will learn from our tragic loss and stop others from going through the same heartbreak. Which, and I want to say something here because, you know, I was, I was telling my husband about this case. He's like, why do you like talking about this stuff? And I don't think that I like talking about this stuff or you and I enjoy talking about this stuff, but I think it's important to tell these stories uh, in case people see the same thing within others. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, uh, like, especially with mental health issues and knowing that mental health isn't something that is taken very seriously right. here. And well, and it, and from what we, we see in different cases anywhere, like it, there more funding needs to go to mental health services, uh, it needs to be talked about more. Yes. And people need to get the help that they deserve to prevent things like this from happening. Yes. And and people need to understand that these these are real issues. They really exist. It's not mm -hmm. just made up. Mm -hmm. People really suffer from these things. And mm -hmm. because people suffer with mental illness, other people suffer Mm -hmm. potentially at their hands because mm -hmm. they're so far gone mm -hmm. and not receiving the support they need and just all around in order to take care of ourselves and each other better we need to we need to pay attention mm -hmm. and you know I think podcasts true crime podcasts are fascinating just in general with the stories but I think the true heart of all of them is to tell these stories so we do not just like history so we do not repeat the same mistakes yes. you know especially like when we have stories of domestic um, violence um, you know unfortunate stories where whole families are murdered by and what do they always say sometimes we never thought they would do something like this right. we never thought they would do something like this but then when you when you look at a case and you kind of get it down to the facts you see the signs yeah yeah just like in this case all these incidents that happened i mean heck the fact that she broke her cat's neck and flushed it down the toilet yeah and that's that's not normal behavior for it's not and this is kind of a an extreme case where it's like really you you really didn't are you sure you didn't see that where other cases are more subtle and maybe it's not as easy to see that oh this was a sign right here but just that's one thing that telling these stories is good at is showing the broad spectrum of all the different forms that this can take yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I just think it's important that when we share these stories, people know that we are not sharing these stories to glorify something tragic that happened or even to laugh about it. We laugh about things or add humor to it because I think that's how you need to get through. Yeah, that's like we need some, to something like this. So or we anyways, end up crying. Or we, you do. I mean, I have no heart. But. Um. So right now, Odessa Carey, um, she is detained indefinitely at Rumpton Secure Hospital in Nottinghamshire. Um. She still does not realize she killed her mom. She does not realize or like even reflect on the fact that she has mental health issues. 
which I'm sure is a huge part of her mental health issue in the first place. Um, she, when she does make phone calls, she does call friends to ask if they have seen her mom. Um, Sharon still stands by Dessa. She's determined to help her. She believes that she was let down by the mental health system and she insists that, um, Odessa senior, um, you know, wouldn't want, wouldn't want her to give up on her daughter. Sharon says, this wasn't the actions of the Odessa I know. I wasn't scared of her. I still think I could get through to her. Uh, She says she'll never give up on her and that she loves her to bits and that the real Dessa is in there somewhere. And of um, Dessa Sr., she says that um, Dessa's mom was always so supportive of Carrie and she wouldn't want her to give up on her. And so she doesn't want to either. So she visits um, Dessa when they allow her to and she says she she still loves her. And considers her her partner still. Which, yeah, God, some of these people. Like, yeah, yeah. So I don't know that I could. No. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. So that is the story. And that's. I think. Scary. I think it. I mean, it's sad, but of all the things in here, it's just it's. I I can't get over the fact that she doesn't think that her mom is dead yeah that's all that's almost the worst part here yeah yeah okay so, so there you go well thanks yeah you're welcome i mean there was no brain eating like i think i promised but i i think this uh just the i think it was it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> I think I I will say yeah, the carrying it around in the plastic bag yeah. for days. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Also, John, what John. are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. John's still John's at a pub somewhere, and he I is think he like, still doesn't know. Let me tell you this story. You tell me what you think. Uh, so I was just sitting there. <laughs> Actually, he wouldn't be saying it like that. It would be an English accent. And I'm not going to attempt my English accent because we've already heard from people about it. And <laughs> I'll just keep my my British accent to you myself. You just said you weren't going to. Oh, darn it. I have to. Oh, I love me. Some English <laughs> accents, though. Oh, okay. love it. All right. So there you go. Sweet dreams, everybody. Sweet dreams. Or a nice walk or commute or go on in there and make it a great day. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Tell tell your friends. Please. On the podcast. (laughs) We're just trying to help people. Yeah. I mean, decompress listening to us. Dressing each other out every week. Yeah. this. I mean, what happened here can't be you know as bad as your day uh, you know your friends just <laughs> they won't get it unless you just share the podcast with them exactly. so why don't you just you take an episode and and gift them with the gift of us yeah right? some some people enjoy it some people don't it's not yeah. their cup of tea so it's ours though so drink up people drink up <laughs> <laughs> all right Goodbye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> 
Kat and I are so grateful for all of our listeners and we love hearing from you guys. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Alternative Interest Podcast and let us know your thoughts on this week's case. We want to cover the things that you guys want to hear, so please email us your case suggestions at alternativeinterestpodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening and sharing us with your friends. Be good to each other and we'll see you next week.